Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we've got a new episode packed with the latest reporting and analysis connected to this historic and fast-moving impeachment inquiry. Yesterday, House Democrats unveiled two articles of impeachment. Today, the next phase begins. I have two deeply sourced guests to help me unravel the twists and turns of this impeachment saga. In a few minutes, we'll be talking with GOP strategist and CNN political commentator Alice Stewart. But first, I'm joined by my colleague, CNN senior Washington correspondent, Joe Johns. Joe, thanks for being on the podcast. Glad to be here. So one of the big debates that we've been uh, hearing about uh, up on the Hill uh, from sources around town inside the Democratic caucus before the reveal of these two uh, articles of impeachment yesterday was broad or narrow. And should they include things from the Mueller report or not? And clearly... Nancy Pelosi, who I believe is the one that made the ultimate decision here of which articles were going to be uh, presented uh, in judiciary and then to the full House, uh, decided narrow was the way to go. We had heard from some moderate Democrats. They were concerned about pulling in stuff from the Mueller report. They were not for impeachment when that was the context and, and that Ukraine changed everything for them. I want you to hear are Manu Raju catching up with Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, the leader, uh, I think, in this effort um, to impeach the president. Here is how he explained to Manu on, on why they chose the more narrow path. Mr. Schiff, I know obstruction of justice in the um, articles of impeachment. Um, we move forward the most urgent articles, those that... Uh, reflect the danger of the next election, and that is the president's continuing effort to get Ukraine to interfere and help him cheat the next election. The next election. That is everything Adam Schiff wanted to focus on. I think we're going to hear a lot of that uh, in Judiciary Committee debate, in House floor debate, in the Senate trial from the Democrats. Urgency is their argument. It's the central argument that they've been trying to push out there because uh, some of the other arguments uh, haven't borne much fruit. And it's also true that both Nancy Pelosi and the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, they were both around during the last impeachment, well aware that the Judiciary Committee came up with some articles of impeachment that were shot down in the House. So uh, they don't want to go down that rabbit hole. They don't want to create any more division that is necessary, especially among those moderate Democrats who are going to have to defend themselves um, in November um, once the fait accompli is finished, if you will. Now, uh, despite uh, Chairman Schiff here making the case for urgency and that the next election is uh, very much at stake and part of this process, it will not surprise you, Joe, that the president dismisses that entirely. Um, He talked about uh, yesterday uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, he talked about these charges that were presented against us Democrats and dismissed them wholesale. Here was the president last night at his rally. 
You saw their so-called articles of impeachment today? People are saying they're not even a crime. What happened? All of these horrible things, remember? Bribery and this and that. Where are they? They send these two things, they're not even a crime. This is the lightest, weakest impeachment. This is impeachment light. <laughs> impeachment light right. is the branding from the mm-hmm. the master brander in many he, he ways is, that, that Trump is. Um, you know, what do you make of that message? He's not wrong that there was talk of bribery at one point and they jettisoned that. But what do you make of this notion that it's impeachment light? I read those two articles of impeachment. Seems like pretty serious business to me. Well, they are very serious. And when you look back at some of the other articles of impeachment and some of the other reasons why people were impeached, not just presidents, but also judges and others, abuse of power comes up a lot, in fact. And it's also true if you read sort of carefully through uh, the rules and all the precedents in the House of Representatives that uh, they've said uh, something like, of 19 impeachments, about 11 of those did not contain an actual crime. So, yes, so this president is facing uh, a similar charge that they at least talked about with Bill Clinton and um, and his lawyers, or at least, are going to have to defend him, presuming we get articles of impeachment passed in the House. Uh, it is such a polarized environment, obviously, we know politically uh, and We don't currently see any real signals that a Republican or a Democrat is really prepared to cross the aisle here. Uh, I know one or two Democrats voted with the Republicans uh, against the impeachment inquiry uh, when Nancy Pelosi first started this. But it is mostly a party line affair at the moment, as far as we can see, which, of course, is part of this entire Trump era has been in that way. I mean, polarization occurred long before President Trump, Joe, as you know, but it, the the positions are just hardening more and more in American politics. And so I think that is partly what is on display uh, with what we've been seeing out of the Justice Department. I think um, everybody's sort of in their corner now as impeachment is, is a very real thing to look back at the Russia investigation, the 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 Trump era of how his actions and the accusations against him have sort of defined the Trump presidency at the moment. And not not even when the Trump administration's inspector general in the DOJ can come out with a report and say definitively there was no political bias in the start of this Russia investigation. We've looked into it. That is not part of this story. Republicans and Democrats on the Hill can't agree to that at all. They don't even take that as fact. Listen to uh, Chairman Graham and uh, Ranking Member Feinstein from this morning at this key hearing in the Senate. What happened here is not a few irregularities. What happened here is the system failed. People at the highest level of our government took the law in their own hands. The IG's report conclusively refutes these claims. This was not a politically motivated investigation. There is no deep state. Simply put, the FBI investigation was motivated by facts, not bias. Obviously, the report doesn't clear the FBI of wrongdoing. It found some serious problems with the way FISA applications were handled. But what is this moment in time if Republicans and Democrats can't actually agree to a fact like what the IG found in this report. It's pretty extraordinary. And it's just amazing how in Washington and elsewhere, we see people laying down their own sort of 
patterns of information uh, and cherry picking, if you will, the parts that are important to them. You're right. It's a real uh, indication of where we are. And if I can just take it back to the impeachment of Bill Clinton, there were a number of Democrats who crossed the line to vote for the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Five. Yeah. Five. Right. Five Democrats right. uh, crossed the party line. So, again, it still was a pretty partisan affair. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, but five you Democrats. Had, had but you had some. And, and By the that's, way, three of different. those five later became Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, oh, boy, I tell you what, we can really talk about the what happened to people's political stars after uh, the impeachment of Bill Clinton, because it was just fascinating. I mean, Lindsey Graham was one of the impeachment managers, but there were some others who had a very tough time, you know, uh, going forward. So you had rising stars. You had a number of people who were really affected by and through the impeachment of Bill Clinton, including Bob Livingston, who was poised to become the Speaker of the House. And then his own personal indiscretions were discovered, which led to eventually Denny Hastert becoming the Speaker of the House. He, too, down the road had terrible problems, as we all remember. All the fallout of uh, Gingrich's decision to resign after impeachment uh, actually cost his party some seats in those midterm elections. 21 years is a long time, but the scripts are the same. It's just that the people wearing the other hat from the other party are reciting the lines this time around. It, it yeah. is uh, totally on the fascinating, other foot. <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, Joe, stay right there. We've got plenty more to discuss. Coming up next, right after the break, political commentator Alice Stewart will be right back. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Joe Johns is still with me. And we're grateful to be joined by GOP strategist and CNN political commentator, Alice Stewart. Welcome back to the podcast, Alice. Great to be here. So, Alice, we were uh, just chatting in the first block about uh, how divided um, this is. And listen, Nancy Pelosi herself at the outset of this ex- understood uh, back last winter when she was so reluctant to move towards impeachment she understood how divisive a thing it is uh, in the country. And there's no doubt about that. I mean, I would argue even the framers understood that uh, when they were putting in the impeachment clause. But it is a political affair. It is not a legal affair. And therefore, in these very polarized political times, it is divided. Alice, I want you to hear from Alyssa Slotkin, a freshman Democrat in Battleground, Michigan, about Uh, the kind of incoming she's receiving right now. Are you hearing a lot from your constituents back home? People Constantly. Are, the yeah. phones are ringing off the hook. Um, we literally can't pick up the phone fast enough, and it's people on both sides of it. So there you go. You have a, a freshman Democrat, a frontline Democrat, the kind of moderate Democrat that Nancy Pelosi uh, is concerned about because they're her majority makers. She's not saying she's overwhelmingly hearing pro or con. She's saying... It's just nonstop incoming to her office, and she's hearing from people on both sides of this issue. Sure. I've talked with a lot of members of Congress, and they're the same way. Their switchboards are inundated. Their emails are inundated. People are speaking out. And people, regardless of whether they support impeachment or not, and latest polls show it's about 50-50, they're frustrated that this is all that is going on in Washington, and they don't feel as though 
any progress is being made on health care, any progress is being made on issues that they elected these people into office for. And you, you mentioned Nancy Pelosi. From the outset of this probe, she was critically clear that she wanted it to be overwhelming and bipartisan, and it hasn't been that way. And that is, I think, a big part of why when she made these announcements yesterday, this wasn't it. A, a victory lap for the Democrats. She was pretty somber when she was making these announcements because she recognized the gravi- gravi- gravity of this and the impact this will have on our country and pot- potentially the Democratic Party. And, and you talk about the, the polarization of it and the partisanship of it um, and how this started a few months ago with Nancy Pelosi. Let's rewind 21 years ago when the Clinton impeachment was going on. The words out of her mouth where she was frustrated with Republicans proceeding down that line because of their hatred for Bill Clinton. That's exactly what we're having here. A lot of Republicans are saying Democrats are moving forward because of their hatred for Donald Trump. Now, Democrats push back on that and say, no, they're moving forward because of the president's actions here in asking a foreign leader uh, to interfere and investigate his domestic political opponent, uh, that it has nothing to do with their dislike of Donald Trump. And on the and I'm curious what you think about this. The, the Dems really pushed back on this notion when Pelosi said it had to be bipartisan. Uh, she thinks that would be better for the country. But she says it, she, there's only so much she can do if, in her mind, Republicans are unwilling to fulfill their oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution. She said uh, that it would be a, a total uh, abdication of responsibility for them not to move forward with this because of how clear she sees the case. It can't only, as she likes to say, politics can't be a reason not to impeach. It also can't uh, be a reason to impeach. And and uh, her point is uh, bipartisanship probably would have been better for the country, but that the Republican refusal to acknowledge what the Democrats see here as clear facts is what has created this as a purely partisan affair. Sure. This is... Uh along partisan lines, because impeachment is in the eye of the beholder here. Democrats see one thing, Republicans see something clearly different. And she is concerned, Nancy Pelosi is concerned about Congresswomen uh, like uh, Slotkin and the uh, 31 Democrats, as you say, who won in their districts, Trump won districts, who are up for re-election. And if they vote on the line for impeachment, this this could potentially harm them come 2020. It's one thing for them to vote for articles of an impeachment investigation. It's completely different for them to actually vote for impeachment. And that will that will have an impact on them in 2020 when they campaigned on, I'm going to go to, to Washington in, Trump, uh, in a Trump popular district. I'm going to go and support the president when I potentially can. And now they're they're taking such a strong position against him. That's going to that's going to cause a little heartburn. Do do you get a sense that people out in the country are actually looking at the merits at all? Or are they actually looking at this thing and saying, well, that was bad judgment, but maybe he shouldn't be impeached? Or are they simply saying, um, he shouldn't be impeached because of, of all the process arguments. There's two schools of thought, at least on the Republican side. Many like myself, I see the call as inappropriate, ill-advised. I don't see that it rises to the level of impeachment. There are others the, the clearly in the Trump camp that see absolutely nothing wrong because there are certain facts that are indisputable. Uh, the president and the, the Ukrainian president uh, felt and have said there was no pressure the Ukrainian government did not realize that the aid was being withheld, 
And the most important fact, ultimately, in the end, the aid was granted without conditions. And those are the facts that Trump supporters are looking at. And that is why they're pretty hard set on where they stand on this. Interesting, though, it's it, as you said, the interpretation difference, I mean, is even within the Republican Party, you have a different interpretation of the facts than uh, Doug Collins, the ranking member uh, of judiciary has, than the president has, uh, who says he did absolutely nothing wrong. You actually see some inappropriate behavior, all based on the same set of facts. You're just interpreting it differently. Sure. And Republican witness Jonathan Turley, who testified in the judiciary hearing, similar mindset. He, he saw what the president said on that call as problematic. But and he made a clear, concise and convincing, in my view, legal argument for why this does not rise to the level of impeachment. As I said, impeachment is in the eye of the beholder. So my, my final question to you, though, Alice, is this. What gives you the belief that this is still going to be top of mind for voters next November? You mentioned uh, those Democrats sitting in Trump districts. The way our media environment works and the way our news cycle works, um, what what about this do you think uh, has longevity to be an issue that people vote on next November? The overwhelming and massive fundraising machine that Donald Trump and the RNC has and their ability to remind people day in and day out until Election Day what each of these Democrats did with regard to impeachment – that will be a big factor in this. In his uh, rally he had in Pennsylvania, that is something that he reminded people that watch out, Democrats, if you move forward on this, there will be consequences. And the, the Trump machine, the RNC, will not let that fall to the wayside. They will continue to remind voters this is where they went on impeachment. Oh, and by the way, the economy is booming. Unemployment is at a great rate. And I've delivered on my promise to really strengthen the economy. And while the Democrats were focused on impeachment, I was out making good on my campaign promises. You know, I just cannot remember what happened in the next election after Bill Clinton was impeached. Uh, did he get uh, a big, you know, well, congressional. Uh, yeah, 1998 went. Democrats right. actually won seats uh, that year in November uh, of the midterms. Now, what is different about the Trump impeachment, Joe, of course, is uh, unlike Nixon, who, well, who resigned and wasn't impeached, unlike Clinton, unlike Johnson, uh, Donald Trump's going before the voters next November. We haven't seen that play out. So that's a different thing here. But of course, that's what happened in the congressional elections that year. The Democrats won seats when normally the president's party loses. But what happened in 2000 uh, was that the Democrats lost the White House uh, eventually. So uh, the history is a little mm -hmm. uh, muddy. muddied and I'm, you right. know, partisans use it, use the history for which a bunch of Democrats side. came in after Nixon. Right. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Uh, well, Alice, Joe, thank you so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks to our listeners, too. We've got a new episode for you every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.